0: So Laos has about 126 different people groups. Laotian people are one of those people groups. And the Laotian people, which would be the largest people group in Laos, uh, would be Buddhist. So they're Buddhist. But then how many of you have heard of the Hmong people? Okay, Hmong people, all right? So the Hmong, during the Vietnam War, the Hmong worked with the Americans, all right? So they worked with us during the Vietnam War. The Laotian and the Buddhist, they worked with the communists. Alright? So the Laotians and the and the Hmong don't get along even to this day. There there can still be tensions because of that. But among the Hmong people there are three types of Hmong people. There are black Hmong, Green Hmong, and White Hmong. Each has its own language and they can't understand each other. So it's not because of their skin color that they're called black or they're called green, right? Or white but it's just it's just because that's the type of Hmong they are. But then you have Kamu people, you have Brew people, so you have 126 different people groups, and the majority of those other people groups, the Hmong and the Brew and the Kamu and so forth, they are going to be what's called animist. Anybody know what animism is? What is animism? What is it?
1: Worship animals.
0: Well, you can't include that, but it's, it's worship of spirits. So everything has a spirit, whether it's uh, animate or inanimate. It might be a rock. It might be the Mekong River. It might be a mountain. It might be an animal. Everything has a spirit. And these spirits, and they call these spirits demons. And they'll say, the demon came to me in my dream and told me this, and to make this sacrifice. And then you'll go to a, like a witch doctor in that local village. And then the witch doctor, now he's not like you're thinking of an Africa witch doctor, but he's like a... I don't want to call him a pastor because he's not a pastor, but you know what I'm saying. He's a religious leader, and you'll come to him and you'll tell him about your dream, what your dream was, and he'll confirm that you understood it correctly or what else you need to do. So let me give you an example. So it's very demonic because all those spirits are truly demons, and when you're making sacrifices, you're making sacrifices uh, to these demons. And, uh, it, it is, it is very demonic. And even the Buddhism there mixes in animism and animistic practices. So it's, uh, it, it's very, it's just a very bizarre place to be. But there the Lord allowed us to begin the Lao Bible Institute. And, uh, we have pastors anywhere from 45 to 70 pastors that will come per session. I think we have about nine different people groups. Uh, that are uh, coming to our session. We do it in the Laotian language, and everybody, Laotian would be like a market language that everybody could speak. Um, but these men come from different areas and places. They might be in little villages, rice villages, and uh, hardworking guys. But a, a few sessions ago, I asked them, I said, how many of you have spent time in prison for your faith? And about 40 to 50% of their hands went up. So most of these men have been persecuted, have even spent time in prison. They get out of prison, and they just go right back to preaching the gospel. So when I go there to teach them, and I'm trying to teach them doctrinal truths, uh, but I always end up the one taught what it means to commit to Christ and to follow Christ at any cost because they they are truly uh, truly doing that. This was from our last session that we had, and uh, just a great group of, of guys... Again, very very faithful, coming from many different areas. Here you can see a man uh by the name of Long and he recently we started a church uh he did in a in a village area. And again, if you can imagine, they are Eastern minded people. Okay. We are western minded. Which western minded were very individualistic. Eastern minded people are very community. So if you live in a in a little village and everybody there is animist, let's say it's a uh, it's a village filled with uh, with white monk people. Well, they're going to be animist, and everybody has to stay in line. Nobody leaves the community, and if you leave the community, you can be persecuted by the community. So the community can burn your house. I mean, I've heard of a father burning his son's house and different things for them leaving that. Community to go their own to follow Western Christianity. So it's not like here, you know. Well, bless God, I'm just going to go to this church, or bless God, I'm going to go do this, and this is this is the road I've chosen. Well, over there that would be foreign. You don't you don't make those kind of individualistic decisions. The group has to make those decisions. So when you leave the group, that's the persecution. Um, But it's been this man started when he's actually Laotian and started in a Laotian village and. We had helped with the school, so the local school there, their old roof, had holes and, and was leaking and water coming through, and he was trying to start a church here, which was rough anyway, but then we we helped, they asked, could we help with their with their roof, and we helped, I think it's was about, uh, we had a group, uh, Operation Renewed Hope, that helped with that. We put a new roof there on the school, and then uh, the school was able to meet, of course they have a rainy season there, and so dry, well... Uh, the, just recently some within this village they came to the kind of the mayor of the village and they said, This bomb guy, we want him and his wife out of here. You know, they're Christian, they're not Buddhist and, and they're causing dissension here in our village. We want them gone. And the mayor, listen to this, the mayor said to them, Look, he helped with our with our roof of our school. He can stay. I'm gonna allow him to stay. And so he's been able to continue ministering there And God has been, God has been blessing. So pray, pray for Bong. Here's another, uh, across this rice field right here, uh, church that has been started in, within a little over a year now. And there you see, how would you all like to be seated on the floor this morning there? Would that be fun to have church seated on the floor? One time, my first service there in Laos, I was seated on the floor and I couldn't get my legs to fold. I don't know how they do that. See how they fold their legs like that? I can't do that. And I tell you, it makes for shorter messages when you're preaching from the floor. So if you want Brother Brian to preach a shorter message, have him start preaching from the floor. Because your legs start hurting, your backside's hurting. But God is really blessed. And, uh, you see this, this river right here that goes through this village and how the old bridge was taken out. And the guy, the pastor there came and said, is there anything we can do for the bridge, uh, in this village? And again, we had a, had a church and had a group that helped. And uh, we were able to build this bridge. How much do you think that bridge cost us? By the way, that bridge you can drive across it with cars, with everything. It cost. It, we built it for about ten thousand dollars in America. That would probably cost you what? How much? Yeah, be a lot of money. So, uh, but we were able to build the bridge, and then we had a actually had a ribbon cutting with the with the mayor of that of that region and uh, they were very happy that the bridge was in and that now they had a way to get across. And again, they know that we're meeting there. Technically, us meeting there is illegal by the law, but they are allowing us to meet there, and God has been blessing. In fact, this guy right here was kind of like the vice mayor assistant, and he even asked, he said, Listen, you're the church that's here, your young people are helping our village kids uh, learn how to read. And he said, our teachers here are not good. They're not working with our kids, but yours have really helped them and some of our village kids are reading. Would you consider coming to open a school here? So can you imagine a Christian school uh, being opened? I So I haven't even started there, but if you know somebody who wants to start a Christian school, I'll, I'll work with them. we got a good area to come to. There you can see a car uh, going across the bridge. So here's where, here's this is Vintin. Here you can see Thailand. There's the Mekong River. And this is the Vinten Center, and we just we bought a piece of property there. And uh, this is—I know it doesn't look like much. We gave, I think, uh, around ninety thousand for that property, and just a few months later, we were offered two hundred and fifty thousand for that property. So China is there. China is pumping a lot of money in there, and prices are getting very expensive. Uh, But this is in the center of Vinten. We needed a location for our Bible Institute. And um, and so we bought the property and began laying the foundation here and there you can see the foundation and, and it's gonna be a two and a half story building. There's what it will look like when we're finished. So it will it will not only have uh hold our Bible institute, but there'll be a uh a, a home church that will meet here, the pastor will live there, and we have even a place upstairs for the men uh, to sleep. So if you have fifty 70 men you have to sleep, we can do that. And we're right there in the center of Vientiane. Laos. So we would appreciate your prayers uh, for that ministry and for Laos and for what God is doing there. Now, I was just sharing with Pastor, <clears throat> you know, in Laos you just can't go out on the streets and start preaching and passing out gospel literature and going to do evangelistic meetings in Laos. Number one, uh, it's illegal to do that. So and think about this, if you work in the city of Vinnten, let's say you work in a factory and your coworker is a Buddhist. And if you witness to your Buddhist coworker and try to influence her towards Christ and Christianity, she can turn you in to the authorities, to the director of that factory. director of that factory could contact the police, the police come arrest you and you're put in prison so or in jail. So you, you really have to be praying for wisdom as you witness and for God to open these doors. It's not the freedom we have here just to freely go out and preach. You don't have that right there. So if I was there... Uh, you know, I have you have that thing going. Plus, look how different I would look from them. They come up to about my second rib right here. <laughs> right. And darker skin, darker hair color, and so forth. And here's this tall European looking. So I stand out. Now, in Vintin, you know, they do have more uh, uh, guests, visitors that come, Europeans that are there in the capital city. But once you get outside Vintin, well, you really start standing out because you're not seeing very many European looking people out there at all. And so you can get very quickly in trouble. So what we have to do, and what I tell the men is, look, I can't go to these villages. I can't go knock on doors, right? I can't share the gospel, but you can share the gospel. And, and you're going to have to do it for me. And so I'm going to, I want to pour myself whatever the Lord has taught me from his word. I want to pour myself into you by his grace. And then you're going to have to go do the work. And they've been very faithful to do that work and are very faithful. Uh, again, at risk of getting in trouble and going to prison, uh, but been very faithful. One of our students uh, that attends, he uh, listened to this story about him. So his father was an animist witch doctor. So kind of the the religious leader for that little community of uh, of... I forget now which tribe he was, which group he was, but for that animus group. And he was the seventh son of seven sons. And the oldest son got sick and the dad went to the, went to the spirits, to the demons. What should I do? What sacrifices do I make? That son died. Second son got sick and eventually died. And you can imagine, malaria is a is a big problem there. So, uh, And there's a lot of different diseases there. Anyway, all six of his older brothers had gotten sick and died. And the dad had made all the sacrifices the spirits were wanting him to make. Well, he was the seventh son, and then he got sick. And uh, he came again to the spirits, made the first sacrifice to the spirits. He continued sick. Well, the dad had heard of a Christian village And this was his last son. He didn't want to lose his last son. And so he went to that village and he asked the, uh, the pastor or, yeah, the pastor there at that church said, look, can your God do anything? Because, you know, my gods haven't done anything and this is my last son. And of course the pastor would have shared, of course our God can do all things. And they prayed for the boy. The boy was healed and became healthy. That witch doctor father left animism became a Christian. And then that son uh, is now pastoring a church and uh, we get the joy of, of training him. So you hear such stories and things that are going on there of the gospel going forward. If there was freedom in Laos where you could just freely go preach the gospel, I think you would have many that would respond to the gospel. But I have pictures on my phone just from... Uh, Saturday, a ministry they had Saturday where they went out to this island and they were preaching the gospel in a group that had received Christ. So we're seeing the gospel. They're going into these areas. I think it's uh, 126 people groups and I think they're like 75% unreached with the gospel. So it doesn't mean 25% have been reached with the gospel. 25% have the potential to hear the gospel. But 75% no potential. They have no potential, no church, not a Christian in their life that's known. So you have many unreached groups of people and areas, and uh, I'm very thankful for the privilege it is to to be there and to have any part. It's amazing to go there and see the need. The needs in these other countries can just be overwhelming, right? And you're like, well, how are we going to reach these people? I mean, you go over to Myanmar, you go over to India, and you just see India. How many people are in India? Over a billion. Yeah, it's like a b- 1.2 or 3 billion people. And its uh, I think it was 90-something percent unreached with the gospel. So remember that 1040 window. That's where a majority of your unreached peoples are. How many people did Christ command us to reach with the gospel? Oh. So why are we 2,000 years into the Great Commission and we still haven't completed but maybe 30% of the commission? How can that be? Right? And so that's just something for us to think about. But this, this is an area and a country of great need and God opened the door there and we're very thankful for it, alright? Anybody have any questions about, about Laos at all? Or about the, the ministry there or what, what things are like there? Okay,
1: how about your cost of living
0: there in Laos? Well, we make trips in and out, so I don't live there. Right. So like we, we will, I'll leave Wednesday. And I'll fly to Laos and next Sunday I'll be in Laos speaking in Laos next Sunday and then our institute classes will start on Monday. So they'll go Monday through Friday. So these guys will travel from all over Laos to come to Vintin. We'll have a week of training and then, uh, and then I'll leave and I come back. I, it might be possible for me to, to live there, but we'd have you have to think of a reason to be there. Uh, you know, how you'd have to get a visa to be there, and, and it can bring all kinds of other attention to you. Well, why is he a, there? What,
2: what
1: kind of, he I just what get you a
0: tourist visa. tourist visa, yeah, and I just very. You
1: don't have a residential.
0: No. Visa. Right. So just I'm coming as a tourist, and they allow you, like a 30 day window or something to be there. Yeah. So so far that's worked. Yes, ma'am. What's the economic? They're very poor, yeah. So ben ten would be the highest standard of the country of living. But when you get outside into some of these village areas, be very poor. So we'll have like, uh, we just had a guy, a young man, who's starting a church in his village, and they took his a little motorbike, moped. And that's transportation for many. You'll see they, they'll drive the little mopeds. And they, that village took his moped, they destroyed his moped, they threw stones at his house and put holes in his roof against the persecution. But it's, uh, it, it very poor. Very poor. Yeah, not, there are cars and when you're in the city you'll see, definitely you see more cars. But the majority ride these mopeds. And you'll see all kinds of things on the mopeds. You'll see them hauling wood and, Families that I mean, a little seat. You're like, how do they get that many people and those many things on one of those little mopeds to carry? But they, they find a way to do it. Yes, sir?
2: How uh, in your institute, uh, when you go there and you teach, are you teaching through a translator? Yes.
0: Oh, yes. So, again, there's so many different languages in the Laotian language. Laotian language would be close to the Thai language, but uses Sanskrit you know and you would be talking a lot of time to learn to to speak it and to learn it and the gut the pastor I have there is very good with English and so we're able to and we just helped with a translation by the way of the Bible so we we took uh, a Thai Bible that was uh, taken from the Tr we we had uh, we had a uh, a Greek manu- a manuscript that came from into Laotian from the Texas Receptus, and they used also the King James Bible, but they they came up with a translation that we helped with the best we can, and I think it's been very, very good, so we it's just got to getting ready to print it. So we're just getting ready to print it. And then you gotta be careful, because you, know, you just can't ship a container of New Testaments or Bibles to Laos. It would be illegal. Do that. So we've, we've been publishing, we did some John Romans that we published in Thailand and we were able to get them across the border. I can't remember how many did we do. Do you remember how many it was? But it would mean it was 60, 70,000 or something. We got them across and I think they're all distributed or pretty much distributed. So we're getting ready to get some more. Yeah. Yes, sir. You mentioned the Christian village. So do you mean by that that there's a church there or is it So there is a, what they call, there's the Lao Evangelical Union. So pre-communism, which would have been in the, uh, I think it was 70s, early 70s. So during the Vietnam War, that's when communism had come to Vietnam. That's the battle, part of that, you know, going into Laos. That's when Laos became communist was those early 70s. So pre that, they were a French, they had been a French province and they had more freedoms at that time. They had some Christians that were there, especially in the southern part of the country. And so you'll see some villages, these little small villages when you drive by, they'll have a cross. That means it's a Christian village. And the government has kind of allowed those to exist because traditionally that's where they were. But when you come in, if you start going to a Hmong village where they are animists or a Laotian village where they are Buddhists and you're trying to convert them, that's when problems come. Yeah, But that's a good question, yeah.
1: If you just mention, like you said, the factory workers, and you're standing there next to a Buddhist, and and you're over here, and something happens, but it doesn't hurt you or anything, and they say something, and you say, well, I was just protected by my God. You're not trying to convert right. them, right? No, you can, can do stuff it. like that. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: And if they ask you questions, you know, they know that you're a Christian, and they ask you questions, you can freely share. It would be someone that's an obstinate Buddhist and doesn't want you mm-hmm. to share. They could turn you in, so you but just have to be careful. For
1: just saying that.
0: I don't think so. No, not if you're trying to convert them. It's when you oh. would be trying to tell them okay. why Buddhism was wrong and uh-huh. and why Christianity is right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Do the Buddhists and the
1: animists try to convert each other, or do they just leave each
0: other alone? I think they pretty much leave each other alone. And like I shared, the animism in Laos, uh, the Buddhism has a mixture of animism in it, so you'll find some animistic practices. Yeah,
2: but no, I don't.
0: I don't think they're trying to convert them. You do see, of course, every young Laotian boy uh, is supposed to serve as a monk in the Buddhist local Buddhist temples. So you'll see a lot of. Young men, you know, with, with the orange outfits on, their heads shaved, and they give this period of time to serve Buddha. Uh, you'll see them out in the mornings where they'll walk down, and people are supposed to have food or gifts or money to give to these uh, monks uh, that are there. So it's a it's a big part of their culture. Also, elephants are a big part of their culture. In in Laos, I think they have the largest percentage of wild elephants of any place in Southeast Asia. So you'll, you'll uh, they're just a big part of the culture with elephants, Buddhism, and so forth. Do you have anything you want to add, sweetie? I
1: can share a story. Share a story. So, um, good morning, and thank you for having us. Um, I'm always fascinated to go to these other cultures and find out how God is working and drawing people to himself. And I was, we were out in a little village church, and I asked the lady through an interpreter, we were visiting, and I just said, what attracted you um, toward Christianity, or why did you seek, how were you drawn to the Lord? And she said, well, I, there was a time when I was just speaking to God, she didn't necessarily say praying, but I was speaking to God, and I wanted to know truth. And I said, God, if you're real, show me how I can find truth, how I can know. And she said, she had a dream and he spoke to her and he said, you can find truth in the Bible. And so she was walking, um, in her village and she heard a woman outside reading aloud from a book. And she went up to this woman and she said, what book are you reading? And she said, I'm reading the Bible. And it was at one of these little house churches. And so through that, she got saved. She heard the gospel. And she got saved through that and was an active member in that church. And it's just, you know, praise the Lord for how he works. And sometimes we get discouraged here. In the U.S., we look around and we see our culture not even interested in God, but he's at work around the world. And we see it in Laos and we see it in Ukraine right now. So we just praise the Lord for that. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah, I think everybody, every man, I've heard it said something like this, but there's a empty vacuum within, right, that only Christ can fill. And uh, I think every man knows that there's a God, a creator. And I, I really believe that. I remember hearing Adrian Rogers preach a message and he had a guy, I think, within his church and owned a trucking company and they give a lie detector test before they hired people. Well, one of the questions they would ask, just as a general question, uh, do you believe in God? Do you believe in the existence of God? And this owner of this corporation said, every time they answered that question, no, they failed the light. De- the lie detector test was saying that they're lying. So I think every man knows that there is a God who created all. And th- you know, if we admit that, then that means we need to submit to Him, right? And but uh, isn't it funny? You see people trying to use alcohol or drugs or material, you know, money and wealth and power. Everything they're trying to fill this vacuum within. Only thing that's ever gonna fill that vacuum is Christ, and that's it, right? You know, some of your most miserable Christians are who? Those that are, they have Christ, but they're not allowing Christ to fill them. They're not finding their, they're finding their satisfaction in Christ, because they're not fully surrendered and living for Christ. They're thinking we have to have all these other things to be happy. You know what Ukrainian believers are finding right now? You know what, all we need is Christ. We don't have to, even our homes can be taken from us, finances be taken from us. All we need is Christ. And you see them, I see them right now, I think happier than I've ever seen them before, a greater joy, because it's coming from their relationship with Christ and he alone can fill us and give us that joy and that peace. Amen. And we should have a desire. Do we need to be done at a quarter till? I don't remember. Was quarter, it a, a quarter, quarter after? Quarter after, so we still have a little bit of time. Did you have anything else? Because I can teach something or go right no. into something. I was going to
1: ask a question. Yep. What's, what's your greatest need for your ministry right
0: now? Well, prayer would be our greatest need, yeah. Just in, in labor. So what we're praying the Lord to give us is, you know, you have those 126 different people groups. Is if we could have one person from because again, seventy-five or six percent of those people groups are unreached. So Lord, give us one servant, one laborer from each of these people groups that we can train, and then send back to that group and reach that group with the gospel. That's the, so. That's your greatest need. And that same thing in Ukraine right now. We have so many open doors in Ukraine right now, and there's such a great need in Ukraine. It's just finding the laborers. And we lost a lot of laborers from Ukraine when the war started. Many that fled the country, and I'm not going to judge them wrong or right. Everybody has to do what They feel God leading them. But you got many in Europe. You got them in America. You got them up in Canada. I mean, you've got pastors that, that left. And again, if Russia was coming and I was close to right, you've got the bombs. You've got the, the, the missiles. You've got the drones, you know, that are, the kamikaze drones that are coming, you've got sirens that are going off, you've got the threat of the Russian soldiers invading. If you ever read about the Russian soldiers and women, you know, if I had a wife or, or daughters, even sons. I mean there was some terrible stuff that's taking place. So I can understand a man taking his family to safety and I'm not judging them for that. But there's just so you've <coughs> lost a lot of laborers from the country. And right now, we just never had as many open doors to preach the gospel as we have right now. So there's a lot of areas where it needs, uh, you know, churches. We've had we've seen some churches that have started during the war, but we need pastors for those churches. I mean, we've seen. Uh, I had a guy, a young man, come to me from. He just graduated from our Bible Institute, and he doesn't feel called to pastor. He's actually a medical doctor, and he's using the medicine as a instrument to share the gospel. But he came, he said, you know, right here in our village, I think it was 10,000 people. He said, we need a church. Can you help us? Can you recommend somebody? Keep this in mind in prayer. We need someone to come and help us start a church. So you have a lot of open doors. It's just filling all the needs right now that are there. Yeah. And that's really true around the world. I was just sharing with pastor, we've just, we've had a number of doors that have opened to us. It's just having that, like the school, I mean, in Laos. I mean, can you imagine starting a Christian school in in in, the, in this Buddhist country and being able to teach children from their youth about God, the Bible, Christianity, right? The tenets of the faith. So when, as they grow up, they're not going to see Christianity as some Western weird religion. They're going to equate it with their childhood and normal, right? And uh, so just a lot of open doors. It's just the, the labors are few. So Christ told us what to do. Pray to the Lord of the Harvest for laborers. Right. Okay, I have a
1: question about literacy. How about in Laos? How literate
0: are the people in- They're not as edu- like Ukrainians are very educated, so very smart. I mean, within and, and that really came, I think, from Soviet culture. There was an emphasis put on reading. They, in general, they read more than Americans read, way more, and uh, and, are, and are very very literate. But in Laos, it's different. So you have some that are growing up in the rice paddies, let's say, and they're just not going to be super educated. So when I go to Laos, I slow way down. I don't try to teach. Usually, like during a week, we would have two different themes, two different biblical subjects, but in Laos, I just have one subject. I go very slow. I try to think more in pictures. And even using the board, I'll try to draw more to show, you know, things, just to to speak in pictures, to show in pictures, to try to communicate, to allow them to ask questions and so forth. But most of them can read. They might not be like if they're reading in the Laotian language, which is not their first language, they can still read it, but they can't read it very quickly, very fastly. So they're they're less educated for sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: Are there things for them to read in their
0: own language? There are some things, depending on the language and the culture, if it's Hmong or Kamu, but yes, they do have some things we're working on. Uh, I know Kampai right now, the, he's the main pastor that we work with. He is Kamu himself. He's married to a Laotian woman. So he's expressed an interest to me to do a Kamu hymn book, like song books, songs that they can sing. So he wants to do something like that for the Kamu people. Of course, most... Stuff that would be available would be in the Laotian language or the Thai language. They are different, but they're close. So you can get a lot more stuff in the Thai language.
2: All
0: right. Anybody else with a question? Yes, sir.
2: How many of those countries have the gospel uh, in their languages uh, that you have come in contact with?
0: Well, I don't know because like in India... You know, again, how many people groups did you (coughs) look up? Was it? Do you remember? So you have 1.2 billion people, but it's a plethora of people groups and languages. So you might have the Hindi language, uh, and and that's probably the the largest language group within within uh, India. And I'm sure there's some some Bibles been translated. I haven't personally looked. I guess, or did I get one? I can't remember. But you've got the translation stuff and I don't even know in some of those languages you just kind of can take... Like we got one in the Farsi language uh, which is for the more the Middle East, Iran and some of those places. And it just gets harder to find. I mean, it's harder to find the Bible uh, and you don't even know about the translation, how good the translation of it, where it came from. It's hard to find the history of it. Uh, in India, of that 1.2 or 3 billion. A number of them, and I don't know what the percentage would be, if it's 60, 70%, can speak English in some form, but maybe not very well. And if you get out into the villages, some don't even speak any English in India. So, it's always nice when they speak English, if you can, and there's so many materials we can get for them in the English language that are available. But that becomes difficult. It's a, it's a problem. That's a good question of all those four, 4.25 billion people in the 1040 window, how many truly have the Word of God in their own language? And you're going to find there's going to be a large percentage that have none. I was with uh, where was it? I was uh, met a guy from uh, Kazakhstan and he was explaining to me, well, we have the New Testament translated in the Kazakh language. But the Old Testament, we, we don't have anything. Or we only have Daniel, I think it was, in the Old Testament. But can you imagine if you didn't have the Bible in your own language? How many of us, we have multiple copies of the Bible in our homes, right? And I think as Christians, you know, growing up with all the freedoms we have in our country and all the advantages we have in our country, I don't know, because we grew up with so much freedom and so many copies of God's Word so easily... I mean, Walmart. You can go buy God's Word at Walmart, right? And just so easy to obtain and get, and yet we don't treat it with the preciousness that it deserves, right? We, we don't understand. There are countries where they don't have it translated in their language. Can you imagine? Or very hard to get. How can you get a copy of God's Word? I'll never forget when we first went to Lithuania, they had just gotten out of communist times. And I took a Bible and, uh, this woman, I, I met a woman at her door, was trying to witness to her. She didn't have, she said, I've never, I've never touched a Bible, never seen a Bible, something like this. And I later, I brought her a Bible and I handed her that Bible. And she just took that Bible and just to see the awe in her face, this is my own Bible? We had a young man, Sharish, from India who, in Kiev before the war, we had an international student fellowship. He grew up Hindu. And his first language would be Hindi, but his dad very, his dad's an educator, teaches in the university, Shrish, very educated. But he started coming to our Bible study. I gave him a Bible in English, and that was the first time he had ever held the Bible in his hands. Can you imagine? So what a blessing it is to live in a country where we have the freedoms we have, and that we have the Word of God in our, our own language, and we should, reverence it much more than what we do. I think, we're again, we're so familiar with it because we have it. It's precious. And you should be thankful you have a church where the Word of God is taught, by the way. I'm traveling. Julie and I travel traveling across the country. I'm just telling you, they are becoming fewer and farther between. And a lot of things that are taught in churches today, I attended a service with Julie. We had a free Sunday back the first Sunday of the new year. And so we just went to, we had, it wasn't in this area, it was out west, and we went to a service. And I'm just telling you, the service that morning, and they would consider themselves an independent Baptist church. But I didn't hear very much Bible that morning. I heard a lot of books the pastor had read, and he's quoting from this book and that book and that. I don't want to hear about books, I want to hear what God has to say. Amen. Amen. I want to hear the Word of God taught. I want the emphasis to be upon. The Word of God, because that never changes, right? That quote you made it could or could not be right, true. It's coming from a man, and I don't mean mind you quoting a man, but uh, it needs to come from the authority of the Word of God. So you should be thankful for your church. All right. Anybody else with a with a question? I got a quick one. Yep. So the students that come to the school, yes, and you're teaching through an interpreter for them, right?
1: Now, do they have? You said there is some Bibles in that language, or are they?
0: We just English. completed one in the Laotian language okay. that, we're, that we'll be giving out. Some of those might read it like if let's say they're mum and let's say they're green mum. I don't know what Bibles are available in Green Mung. So that pastor might have to take that Laotian Bible and then translate it for his people into Green Hmong even while he's preaching. We just there was just a copy of Ukrainian that uh, in fact the Old Testament's not even finished. They just, he's finished the New Testament. I think he's working in Psalms right now. But a good translation, very good. So for a long time, you had uh, Ukrainian pastors were using the Russian Synodalny translation, which comes from the Texas Receptus. And that had become kind of the standard that a lot of the conservative churches were using there. And even Ukrainian pastors would read from that Russian Bible, but preach in Ukrainian. Well, now you can imagine the tensions with the war in Russia. They're, they're wanting to leave Russian and Russian language, everything to do with Russia far behind. And this uh, one uh, Yuri Popchenko had finished his translation <coughs> of the New Testament, and we've been helping to distribute those in Ukraine. Uh, and we're looking forward to getting the balance of it. But man, it's complicated. It can be very complicated, yeah. How would you like to do that, Pastor? To read from English and then have to translate it into another language for your people, and and you don't—some of the people—they won't even have a have a Bible of their own if they can read in that Laotian language. So, yeah. All right, guys. Anybody else with a question? These all being very good questions. Okay. Well, we're going to share a little bit more about Ukraine in the, in the morning service and look forward to doing that and sharing with you what, what God is doing there. And just as a matter of, um, cause I won't probably get to touch on this in the service, but it's still very unclear what's going to happen in Ukraine as far as who's going to win. There's, there's, Ukraine has made some headway, um, since the war originally began. There are many areas where Russia was pu- uh, pushed out of. Primarily that area right now is down on that southeast corner of Ukraine going down to Crimea. They started a spring offensive about a month ago. Ukraine did to take back some of those Russian occupied territories. And it's been very slow going because Ukraine or Russians have set mines out in the fields. They've dug in trenches. <coughs> so Ukraine's having a, a slow time. They are taking back land, but it's going very, very slow. And uh, if Russia was to end up I think what Russia's hoping is the West gets tired of funding Ukraine, and once they stop helping Ukraine with, uh, uh, military equipment, Ukraine won't last very long. And it would be, it would be over. And, uh, and if Russia was to take over the country, doors would, most likely they would close to us being there. With a Russian, Americans are not very popular, alright? Uh, you can imagine why. Ukrainians love Americans and often tell us, tell America thank you for what they are doing and for their help. Ukrainian believers you know, tell the churches in America thank you for their prayers and for their gifts and for thinking of our country. Um, so it's still very unclear what the outcome is going to be. And we'd appreciate your prayers for peace in Ukraine and for God's continued work there and we'll share more about that in a little bit let's turn over here in our Bibles to the book of Colossians and um, we're going to look in Colossians chapter number 1 alright Colossians 1 and uh, we'll go down in verses 5 and 6 Colossians 1 verses 5 and 6 and here the apostle Paul is writing and uh, he writes here to the church in Colossae where is Paul when he's writing this? He's in jail. He's in prison, isn't he, for his faith. He says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before, in the word of the truth of the Gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. In these two verses, Paul tells us three things that the Gospel brings. All right? Three things the Gospel brings. Father, bless us as we... Take this brief time to look into Your Word. Lord, help us to understand more greatly how blessed we are to know Your Gospel, to have received Your Gospel. And Lord, the privilege You give to us to proclaim that Gospel. And use us, Father, to be Your lips, to be Your mouthpieces, to share that Gospel, not only to proclaim it here in Harrisonville, but also, Lord, throughout all the world for Your glory and praise. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, verse number 5. Look at the first thing the Gospel brings. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the Gospel? What's the first thing the Gospel brings? Hope. Hope. How did they hear of that hope? Through the word of the truth of the Gospel, right? So that Gospel, when they heard the word of the truth of the Gospel, they heard of hope. Let me ask you this question. Is there any hope in Buddhism? No. Man, there's no hope in Buddhism. Is there any hope in animism? No. no, there's no hope there, man. At all. Can you imagine d- depending on these demons to come to you and speak to you and making sacrifices to these demons to get their blessing? Uh, there's no hope. One one man had uh, converted to Christianity, and I was talking to him, and uh, and he said the village came to him and they were they were threatening him. You're going to leave this. You're coming back to animism. And you know what he told him? He said, Look, I don't care what you do to me. But Christ has set me free and made me a new man. Why would I go back to animism? I'm not going back <laughs> to animism. And uh, just amazing. There is hope only in Christ. Let's bring it a little bit closer. Is there any hope in Orthodox, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, in Orthodox Christianity? Is there any hope in that? What does the Orthodox Church teach? Well, if you if you want to have God's forgiveness and if you want to have uh, heaven, you have to keep these religious traditions, and you've got to keep the commandments of the law. And if you and if you're good enough, and if you get this, you hit this level, then maybe, possibly, but you'll have to wait till you come before God, right? Maybe, possibly, you'll be forgiven. Is there any hope in that? Because all of us know, again, deep inside, we've offended our Creator God. The greatest question man can ask himself is, how can I have peace with this God? Because I know I've offended Him. I have a conscience that tells me I've done wrong things. And most people realize this, right? Uh, you go to the Catholic Church. Is there any hope in Catholicism? No, not if you got to keep seven sacraments. There's no hope there. Now, the Catholic Church will talk about grace, but they talk about grace, seven steps of grace, which is not grace, okay? (laughs) If there's seven things you have to do to have this grace, it's not God's grace, right? So, no, there's no hope in any of these. Only biblical Christianity offers you a true and certain hope. Why is our hope true and certain? Well, number one, because it comes from a God who has promised it in His Word, right? Is God a liar? Is it possible for God to lie? No, He's not a liar like men are liars. If God has promised it, God will do it, right? He has never broken a promise. And by the way, those that are here, or not in this class necessarily, but those that think that, well, one day God is a good God and a gracious God and a merciful God, and He'll forgive me despite everything. When I get there to heaven, certainly He won't throw anybody into hell. Have you heard people say that before? Yeah. Yeah. Even those that even debate is there is a hell. How could there be a hell? Who taught more about hell? Jesus. Jesus taught us more about hell than anybody. So, listen, hell's a real place, okay? And if God is a just and, and good God, which He is, He would not be just and good if He allowed you into heaven without you ever repenting to receive Christ as your Savior. He would be a false God. He is a true God. He will not lie. He keeps His promise. And what is His promise? Whosoever right, believeth in Him shall be what? Shall be saved. All right. So there's hope because there's a God that promised this hope. But there's also hope, and Peter calls it a living hope, because we have a Savior that resurrected from the grave. Think about Buddhism. There was a man named Buddha. We just saw that stupa there where supposedly a portion of his body is buried there in Vintin Laos. Uh, so there was a man named Buddha. Anybody know how Buddha died? I've read where he ate contaminated pork and died of food poisoning. So it makes you wonder. Now think about this. You got any Chinese restaurants here in Harrisonville? You go in there. Do they have the little statue of Buddha? You need to remind them. I don't know what you want to remind me of Buddha right now because he died of food poisoning, right? (laughs) So, and then they buried Buddha in the ground. And and what happened to Buddha after that? Anybody seen? He stayed in the ground. Nobody. Souls in hell. But nobody ever saw him, did they? Is there any hope in Buddha or Buddhism? There's no hope there. What about uh, Islam? Muhammad. Anybody know how Muhammad died? I've read that he ate uh, or not he, he was poisoned, and 10 days later, he died from the effect of the poisoning. So the Muslims won't say he died from poisoning, but he died from the impact of the poisoning ten days later. And they buried, uh, Muhammad in the ground. Anybody seen Muhammad since? No, I can guarantee you he's in hell burning, okay? If you read about his life and what he did and the man he was, he was a terrible man. Alright, so he's in hell, he's in hell burning. No one saw him mean. But Jesus Christ, no one took his life from him. He willingly gave his life. Buddha had his life taken. Muhammad had his life taken. Confucius had his life taken, right? All these other, we could go on, all the Hindu gurus. By the way, in Hinduism, how many gods are there in Hinduism? Anybody know? It's like over three million. Yeah, something like that. I said, well, how do you remember your God's names, right? You've got three million of them. I'm glad we got one. Amen? One triune God. So, uh, here he is, Buddha, or uh, Muhammad dead, buried in the ground. But Jesus Christ willingly gave His life, and then three days later, just like the Old Testament prophesied, just like He said He would, He raised in victory from the grave. He's not dead and in the grave. He's alive and seated by the right hand of the Father where He lives to make intercession for all who call upon His name. Is there hope in this? Oh man, that's a hope, right? Hallelujah. So we have hope. I I remember uh, meeting a lady in uh, Vilnius, Lithuania. And we were out knocking on doors, and uh, her name was Olga. And we knocked on Olga's door, and when she opened the door, she just cracked it open a little bit. It was very dark behind her. And uh, and we tried to give her a John Romans and to give her some uh, gospel literature invitation to our church service. And I asked Olga, and she came from more of an Orthodox background, I asked her, I said, well, Olga, when you die, where's your soul going to go? And she said, well, I'll go to hell. Now, it was rare. You would never hear a Catholic say that. Not that I ever remember. Sometimes you would hear from an Orthodox; they understood sin and that they had broken God's commandments and laws. And she was going to hell because of what? Because she knew she had done wrong. And I said, "Well, Olga, I have some good news for you today. Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Not to save the righteous, to save sinners. Right? Who's a sinner in the room here? Amen. Amen. Saved by grace. Amen. Sinner saved by grace. That's all I am." Well, uh, she, she listened and she didn't make a decision that day, but she started coming to church there in Vilnius. And, uh, with time, she receives the gospel. She follows the Lord and believers baptism. And our very last service there at Vilnius Bible Baptist Church, uh, she came up to me when we were, uh, after we had this fellowship time and dinner and she said, Pastor, I need to tell you something. Do you remember when you knocked on my door? And I said, yes, how can I forget that? She said, well, what you don't know is this. So that night, I had already bought the drugs to end my life. I was going to take my life. And I was doing it that night when you knocked on my door. What had she... She had no hope, right? But that night, she heard of hope. She didn't make a decision that night, but she thought, well, who is this God he's speaking about? Because he's not the God the Orthodox Church speaks about, right? Who is this God? And maybe I should wait and learn more about this God. Where did she hear that hope? In the word of the truth of the gospel. Listen, we are surrounded by a world and right here in Kansas City area, people are searching for hope. I'm just telling you, there is no hope in man's philosophies, right? There is no hope in monetary gain and careers. None of that will fill the emptiness. Christ is that hope. Alright, so number one, it brings hope. Number two, look with me, at verse number six, which is coming to you as it is in all the world, And bringeth forth what? So the second thing the gospel brings is fruit. What is fruit of the gospel? Fruit of the gospel is a soul that's been regenerated, a soul that's been saved, a soul that's been born again. How many of you have received Christ as Savior and Lord? Alright? You are fruit of the gospel, right? How did you become fruit of the gospel? Well, you had to hear that gospel. You had to hear the word of the truth of the gospel and repent and believe and receive that gospel and be born, born again. You become fruit of the gospel. Well, how can the gospel bring forth fruit if it's not being proclaimed? Are there souls in Laos? Are there souls in India? Are there souls in Myanmar? Are there souls in Cambodia? Are there souls in Ukraine? And we can go on and on and on. Uh, that would receive the gospel and become fruit? I would say I believe that there are. But they have to hear the gospel. And how are they going to hear that gospel without a proclaimer of the gospel, right? Without someone to bring that message where they can hear the hope. Do you know, Again, I shared earlier, I pastored just a little bit north of here for a while up in Raymore. I'm just telling you, I knocked on doors in Raymore and in Belton where there were people, they had never heard a true gospel presentation before. What's the church over there uh, in Prairie Lee? Or what's it called over there? Resur- church of the Resurrection. Okay. You know how many people I met that went to that church of the resurrection? I remember knocking on a guy's door and uh, and he told me that's where he went to church. And I said, well, sir, let me ask you a question. Uh, what did they teach there about life after death? Is there heaven or hell? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And where are you going? Now we're getting a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. What about you? Where is your soul going? Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, sir, why would God receive you into heaven? Well, because I'm a pretty good person. I said, well, sir, that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> there are none that are righteous. No, not one, right? We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's by grace only through Christ. You know what he told me? He said, that's your interpretation. And he shut the door. That's supposed to be an evangelical church, right? I'm telling you I met I met many families. One time I was knocking on a door over there and there's a younger guy and his wife. And and I asked uh, I asked him the same question, and when you die where will your soul go? And uh and, and you know I said this first. I said what does your church teach about this? And he said, "You know that's a good question." He said, "Hun, what do they teach over there about this?" There's no gospel being preached there. None at all. Right? How can the gospel bear fruit? It has to be proclaimed in its truth. The gospel is calling men to repentance. What is repentance? It's acknowledging that we have sinned against a holy God. Now this can be, listen, you're not going to be popular when you preach the true gospel, are you? You're just not. I'm always worried about a man who's supposed to be a Christian leader, pastor, and he's popular with the world. I can think of one guy right now out of uh, Texas down there. His teeth glisten when he smiles, right? Everybody know his name? Joel Olstein, right? And I heard him with Larry King, interviewed by Larry King. And Larry King, Larry King said, Well, is Jesus Christ the only way for salvation, the only way to God? He said, Now, Larry. Larry, 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 Larry. He's my way, but he's not every man's way. There are many different ways to God you know what you can say about that false prophet right? false teacher so how can that gospel has to be preached in its fullness in its power we have many today trying to remove repentance from the gospel did you know that I mean within our own circles they're trying to make an argument that repentance is not part of the gospel let me tell you this Repentance is as much a part of the Gospel as faith is part of the Gospel. You cannot separate the two. When Paul went door to door and house to house in Athens or in Ephesus knocking on doors, what was his message to people? Teaching both repentance towards God and what? Faith in Jesus Christ. So it's calling you to recognize that I'm a sinner, that my religious thinking and system has been wrong. We've been trying to tell the people in, in Ukraine, many that are coming to our church on Sundays there are coming from an Orthodox background. The Orthodox Church, they don't have one mediator. One mediator in the Catholic Church. Who's the great and chief mediator in the Catholic Church? The well, the Pope is one, but Mary is the chief one. They pray to Mary, she mediates. In the Orthodox Church, Mary's just one of hundreds of mediators. They call these icons. And you pray to that icon. You have icons in your home. It's like a like a God, like a little God. You're bowing to, you pray to, you kiss, so forth. I've told people there in our church, and the message there, listen, uh, orthodox cannot save you. Your icons cannot save you. If you want the salvation that only Christ to give, can give, you have to come only to Christ. You have to turn and recognize. Icons can't save me. My traditions can't save me. A church can't save me. Jesus, You alone can save me. And I turn and I come to You to receive You. If a man wants to be born again, that's the Gospel, right? And that Gospel, when it's preached, what is it going to bring forth? Fruit. 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 Now listen, we, 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 it's not everybody's going to repent and get saved. But guess what? There's always going to be some. And wherever God has allowed me to go, there's always been some. And the sum is why we go. Amen? Amen. Alright, last thing the Gospel brings. Uh, verse number 6, second part there. Brings forth fruit as it hath also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the what? Grace. The grace of God in truth. How did they know the grace of God in truth? Through the Gospel. The Gospel brings the knowledge of grace. It brings forth, number one, it brings forth hope. Number two, it brings forth fruit. Number three, it brings the knowledge of grace. You can take all religions in the world and we can column them in one column. At their core, I don't care if it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, whatever, Catholicism, Orthodox, they're all teaching at their core the same thing. If you want to get to the best part of the next life, you have to earn it by what you do. So we call them these these religions, the DO religions, Satan is the author of these religions because it's another gospel, right? Over here we got one column, and uh, underneath it, true biblical Christianity, and we call them it D O, but we got to add a couple of letters. What are they? N E, done. It's finished. It's not by our works. It's by His grace, right? Christ paid the complete and entire price for our sins. It's not a gift that we earn. It's a it's a gift that we receive by faith. Aren't you happy for grace today? Yes. Grace is the only thing, my friend, that makes any sense at all. I mean, if you think about it, it's the only way of our salvation. It can only be by God's grace. I can never earn it. I can never make myself good enough. I'm just thankful that Christ's death and blood shed on the cross was completely sufficient And listen, it satisfied the wrath of a holy and just God. God received that payment as entirely paid. And when you come to faith in Christ, you are in Christ, it's been entirely paid. That is grace, my friend. Do I deserve it? No. But God is a God of grace and He offers it through Jesus Christ. And that's what the world is waiting to hear. The knowledge of grace. And we should be striving... By any means that God allows us, using us to share that message with the entire world. But it begins right here in our Jerusalem, right? And there are people here that need to hear that message. And I want to encourage you in that work, okay? So when you preach that gospel, no three things are coming. Hope, fruit, and what else? Grace. grace. Grace, knowledge of grace. Father, thank You for this time together today. Thank You for this church and for their stance on Your Word and to proclaim your truth in all the world, Lord, please bless this church and continue blessing and just continue working in our hearts and lives. Bless the service this morning we pray. It's in Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh no, that was perfect. So, Randy, do you have any announcements you want to give before we leave today? I know we're a little unorthodox today, but uh, that was great. Our class is actually going through Colossians. So, oh, okay. so Colossians
2: is my favorite book today. It's a great one. Today, <laughs> today <yeah. laughs>
0: while you're teaching it.
2: <laughs> so let me just say real quick, because uh, I don't want to take up any more time, but uh, I appreciate uh, you coming and spending some time with our classes, and appreciate your class um, letting us uh, fill up a, into all the empty seats. Okay. And uh so praise the Lord for that. Um, we're going to hear uh, from Brother Derek uh, in the main service. He's going to talk about some of what you probably have already heard, but then he will expand on it quite a bit, I'm sure. And I don't know if you're going to preach a message or if you're just going to present, but whatever he does is good. I, I wanted to say something, not not specifically about him, but about HBF. And Maybe you don't realize that this is what HBF is about. Yes. Not just him, but about missionary work about mission of God about what accomplishing what God is is trying to trying to get done through you through this church and every one of us have a role to play in getting him to the field and on and stay on the field not just him but others and not just others that are already missionaries but missionary in waiting I'll use that term again today for I've talked to some people about that term um, there God is calling everybody to be a missionary uh, whether you're a missionary at HBF or in, in Missouri or around the world. And we have a way to make sure that that gets taken care of if you're willing to answer the call. Remember a couple of years ago or a couple of vision conferences ago when the theme was answer the call? Y'all all remember that? Well, that call hadn't ended just because we said uh, amen on the last day. That, that call didn't stop. It's still there. still tapping on your heart. And so I just want you to know um, that we have a plan to get people to the mission field. So, whether it's you or somebody else, just know that we have a plan to get people to the field. And that is what the hearts of this church is. The heart of this church is to get people to the field. Whether it's a church plant, a missionary on the field, and helping a missionary get to the field is already committed from another church or whatever. I just want to, I just want to kind of put that in your heart as a reminder that, uh, it's important that we support what God is trying to get done and we don't get in the way of God because we can and uh, we we can stop God actually by not following that, f- following through with His call in our life. So I just want to mention that. Um, now I'm not going to say any more else. That's it. So I don't know if we want, you want to pray. Yeah, go ahead. All right, let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the... The uh, the presentation that we've seen both of Laos and, and about Ukraine and what we'll hear in, in the main service, Lord, Lord, burden our hearts, uh, burden every one of our hearts, not just those that are in this room this morning, but even everybody that, that walks through the doors of HBF, burden their hearts, Father, to seek out how they can be a part of uh, your mission, whatever that looks like, whether it's supporting, or going, or both. Lord, and I just pray that You would speak to us today. And we just thank You for the example that we see in uh, Derek and his wife and, and all the ministry He's done. And Lord, what a, what a dangerous place he goes, but he's willing to go because he loves You. And I just thank You for his testimony. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry Oh, time. you did
2: fine.
0: Did
1: you,
0: get that? you get your uh, I, the I do. Kevin, my yeah, friend, i sorry.
1: You don't have a mom, yeah. though?
2: Yeah. Okay. We so, have a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, but well, okay. we don't stay there. Okay. That,
1: just so that just Sure. Property oh, okay. <laughs> now we basically do. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. How long were you going to Seven years. Uh-huh. Did he pastor? Or did uh-huh. Okay. uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. We, we have a it was Three more. We have three, three boys, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where are your boys at? They all left for Denver. Oh really? really? Yeah. Oh. They, we were gone and um, they wanted something a little more exciting yeah. and found something sure. the nature of it. Yeah. One went and then the second one went and then the third okay. one went. So yeah, that's nice for you, then you can just visit yeah. all of them when you go. That's very nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. But yeah, they are too. They, they're real close. They, mm-hmm. In fact, they all work together. Oh, they do? <laughs> what they're do good. they do? They sell medical lasers. So the second one's been working that's for his older brother for about three years. He just hired his younger brother a couple yeah. weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> so boy. That that's good. Yeah. yeah. So we enjoy your okay. travels, yeah. and, and I know that God keeps you all. Oh, I do. We get tired, and I told her I, I love this. Today, oh. to remind me, I love doing this. Yes. I really do, but today is my I bet it's tiring. Yeah. Thank you for all that you're doing. Oh, Lord, it's, oh, yes. it's exciting. Well, it's just exciting to see what the That's Lord is doing. Now. Sure. I hope you're about to oh. 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 right now. It's just great. It's great right now. So just to be a part of it. I yeah. See. That's so neat. It's amazing.